1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast, and I have Brett Younginger. Uh, he's a postdoc researcher at University of Washington in the Department of Plant Pathology. So, Brett, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so tell me—I um, didn't even know there really was such a thing as plant pathology. But what got you interested in plants in the first place, and then what led you to your current focus?
2: Um, always been a plant lover. That's something. That I've connected with inherently throughout my entire life. Um, strangely enough, had a sunflower garden when I was six or seven years old that I um, planted and tended, and um, spent a large portion of my childhood wanting to be a farmer in some form or another. Sure. Um, and then throughout um, high school and college, just have always had a, an interest in gardening and plants and the natural world and um, all sorts of plants, not just garden plants, but trees and Mosses and um, as well as fungi. So, yeah, it's always been something that's there. And um, yeah, I got an undergrad degree in biology not knowing what I wanted to do and just kept Mm -hmm. pursuing what I enjoyed. And that led me to where I am now. Okay. So, what's your current research about? Um, I'm currently in a group that studies uh, plant microbial symbiosis. Um, Specifically, we study leguminous plants. So, think peas, beans. Um, in the plant family Fabaceae. So um, these plants form symbiotic relationships with bacteria in the soil that are able to convert nitrogen in the atmosphere, um, the most abundant gas in our atmosphere, but it's in an unusable form for plants. So they can convert that atmospheric nitrogen into a plant usable form, plant fertilizer, essentially. Process called nitrogen fixation, um, and they do this in the nodules of um, on the roots of the of the plants themselves. Um, so we study all sorts of things related to the ecology and evolution and the theory of um, these nitrogen fixation symbioses. Um, but my background is more in plant fungal um, symbiosis. Uh, I worked. Uh, for my dissertation, for my PhD, worked on uh, fern systems, fern host systems, and then studied fungal endophytes. This is a class of fungi um, that live entirely within plant tissues. And um, when you are observing them, they don't um, cause symptoms of disease. Um, And they're in all land plants studied to date. So important to keep that in mind next time you're having a salad, um, that all plants host fungi inside of their tissues, not just bacteria. Um, But yeah, Oh. Uh, so, moving more into the bacterial end of things since I've um, been in this postdoctoral position. Um, but it's been a lot of fun um, studying some new systems and doing some really exciting research. Yeah, how does nitrogen fixation work? What's some, what are some of the steps in the process? Um, yeah, sure. So, it's uh, atmospheric nitrogen, as I've said, and this has to permeate um, through the soil um and then also through the uh root tissue of the plant where the bacteria are housed in these nodules um and then the bacteria are able to uh cleave the the dinitrogen bond which is a triple bond really hard to break an energy intensive mm. process um and then they reduce the um they reduce that nitrogen into ammonia which the plant can then use so they um and they need to um, carry out this process in uh, hypoxic or very low oxygen conditions in order um, for it to occur and again very energy intensive um, and it's uh, it's a mutualism because it does benefit the plant um, nitrogen if anybody's gardened or grown tomatoes it's a good time you're discussed growing tomatoes right um, in the garden your plants are not going to grow if they don't have enough nitrogen that is the most limiting macronutrient in the soil um. So this process is critical to um, both terrestrial, uh, natural ecosystems, and to agricultural systems as well. Um, think the crop rotations that farmers implement when they plant soybeans in between corn. That's in an effort not only to produce soy, which is widely used, but also to increase the amount of nitrogen in the soil. Um,
1: so the, the soil, uh, when nitrogen permeates soil, does it act at all like a liquid? You know, the nitrogen, That is it just in the interstitial spaces in the soil particles or does the nitrogen somehow, I don't know, join with the soil and, and become in a different form instead of just gaseous nitrogen? Yeah, it's.
2: Uh, it, it's I, I I should answer this question with a caveat that um, I'm not a physicist or a um, soil chemist um, in any mm-hmm. regard. But uh, my understanding is that it does permeate as uh, dinitrogen as N2. Um, it's okay. not it's not entering in a form that is um, altered um, because it's very stable. Um, as dinitrogen because of that triple bond. Right.
1: So yeah. I, guess, and I read about like the, the Haber Bosch process
2: to yeah, yeah. take
1: atmospheric nitrogen and make ammonia from it and that's like right. very high temperatures and pressures, but yet uh-huh. these bacteria do it without those things. Right. You know, like yeah. how well understood is the mechanism
2: by which they do it and can that be replicated in the lab? Um so yeah, the Haber Bosch process and then uh, the process of, of um, de- uh, nitrogen deposition through lightning are um, the other alternative methods by which uh, nitrogen um, ammonia can be created from from nitrogen gas. Um, I am not that well versed in uh, the fine scale mechanistic understanding of um, the process, but I, I know it is well studied um, and it it is um, it happens through an enzyme called nitrogenase. Um, And that Mm -hmm. enzyme itself is what is sensitive to oxygen, Um, so it can actually – oxygen can inhibit the enzyme from um, cleaving that um, tri-nitrogen bond um, and then uh, further inhibit the reduction into ammonia. Um, So, yeah. I'll I'll leave that to the biochemists, (laughs) that's Mm certainly my area of expertise, Um, but yeah. Critical process to oh. um, the green that we see on our planet. You know, we're not for this process. Uh, our plant, our planet would not be as green as it is. Let's say, Yeah, leguminous plants exist. Um, they're near um, cosmopolitan. They're near, they have a near cosmopolitan distribution. Um, it's a very large and successful plant family. So, I mean, think acacia trees. Um, I mentioned things like uh, beans and peas those are more cultivated plants but certainly they have wild uh, counterparts as well things like clover um, and uh, medics and all sorts of plants And, and they're all over the world and really can facilitate the existence of other plants that need that nitrogen to grow so i mean these plants will Oftentimes, be some of the earliest to colonize, um, and they'll build up nitrogen in um, disturbed habitats. Will be the first to colonize. They'll build up nitrogen in the, in the soil, and then other plants can come in after them um, and and make a living.
1: Oh, so they don't use all the all the what ammonia that's produced by the bacteria, and a lot of it just stays in the surrounding soil, or or how do the other plants get nitrogen from their activity?
2: Um. So eventually, when those plants um, dye or senesce um, those nodules and um, can fluff off into the soil and then they will deposit that nitrogen in the soil.
1: Oh, okay. So there's stores of, of large amounts of nitrogen that's available and
2: then mm-hmm. they go into the soil yeah, and then it's...
1: they become part of the matrix. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what's your, what's your specific area of study then in the nitrogen fixation process?
2: Um, currently working on a few projects, um, one of which we're studying the role of. Partner choice. This is a process called a partner choice that uh, both plants and bacteria will uh, undergo in order to associate with different strains of of nitrogen fixing bacteria. And when I say strain, um, suffice it to say like a different, um, not species, but um, for for now, we can just say it's a different individual uh, bacterium, right? A different strain of bacteria. So, Certain bacteria are better or worse at undergoing nitrogen fixation. Um, And we're interested in how plants are, if they are, and how they are discerning what is a better nitrogen fixer and what is um, discerning better from worse in the soil, right? Because if these plants could discriminate between better and worse strains of bacteria in the soil, it would um, provide a fitness benefit to them, which would in turn, you know, they would leave more offspring and. Seems like that would be adaptive. So that's something we're interested in. Um, we're currently conducting some greenhouse studies, um, examining uh, how how, ready this, how readily this process occurs. And um, yeah, I guess well, how, do really, like, how do you know
1: that it uh, does occur? Like when you looked at, you know, let's say I don't know a particular kind of you know pea plant. Do you see mm-hmm. that there's a, a, a wide range of different strains of bacteria that do the nitrogen fixing for them? And do you see yes, that within so, a small area that's planted? Like certain plants prefer certain kinds or is it uniform? Like
2: what have you seen? Right. Um, so these strains oftentimes are naturally occurring. I mean, farmers do inoculate with strains of bacteria, but these, they're free living and naturally occurring and plants do get colonized by multiple multiple strains simultaneously. And some plants are better at um, being colonized by just a few strains and And then also the bacteria, I should say, are playing a role in this as well. Some are really effective at colonizing plants, and then some are not as effective. And then, you know, there's not always perfect alignment with the benefit that they're giving to the plant, so the really beneficial strains aren't always the best at colonizing the plants as well. So there is quite a bit of variability in um, how that variability plays out and its importance. um, in both agricultural and natural systems um, is really important to understand. So, farmers can inoculate with uh, nitrogen fixing bacteria, but if there's other bacteria, native bacteria in the soil um, that more readily colonize the plants, they can, and they might not necessarily be better at performing nitrogen fixation. They can colonize the roots um, instead of what the farmers are applying to the field. And they call this the competition problem. So, um, even though these farmers want to utilize and leverage nitrogen fixation, um, Oftentimes it's not as successful as they'd hoped because there's native bacteria in the soil that aren't as good as the process, but will still colonize.
1: Are you able to um, inoculate a plant and give it the bacteria you want? And I mean, let's say a seed, are you able to plant something along with the seed to make it more likely that it'll have the nitrogen fixing bacteria you want, even if it's planted in a soil that has bacteria that are not as good that normally would take over?
2: yeah so if you're planting it in soil that is not sterile, it's certainly more difficult to control that so in in our in our research group we do inoculations with single strains of bacteria and recover just those strains of bacteria because we're doing it under um, sterile conditions um, so that we can create readily. Um, it's harder to control um, in non-sterile conditions or if you're doing multiple strains simultaneously and that um, is one component of uh, This greenhouse project that we're currently working on is um, inoculating with multiple strains um, that we've fluorescently labeled um, with proteins that will fluoresce under certain wavelengths. Um, And then we um, can image those and see what strains are present, um, how many nodules they formed, how big those nodules are, and then in turn see how well the plants are doing with these respective strains.
1: Are there situations where there's an intermediary between the soil and the nitrogen in it? And then, you know, maybe there's one bacteria that starts the process of fixation or does it, and then it passes, you know, some of those metabolites onto another bacteria that actually is in the nodules of the plant. Do you see any like chains of cooperation that go on, or is it just, is usually just one bacteria that's the intermediary between the soil and the nitrogen and the plant?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but there's so many bacteria and just a gram of soil. It's a, a really competitive community that exists around these plant roots. And these plants are exuding uh, carbon compounds that the bacteria need to survive um, into the soil. So it's um, basically drawing bacteria towards them. Um, So there's lots of competition that's happening for, um, for both these plant sugars, this plant carbon, and also for the process of colonization. And then even though these bacteria, it may be uh, a predominant strain of of nitrogen-fixing bacteria that are in a nodule, there will also be other types of bacteria that co-colonize. And those are certainly beneficial. So with a plant in return for getting this nitrogen, it's not a one-sided relationship. The plant will return carbon and sugars even more so um, to these nodules where the nitrogen-fixing bacteria are housed. Um, But um, other bacteria that don't Fix nitrogen are able to exploit this and coexist in these nodules with the nitrogen fixing bacteria. So that's a whole wow. nother layer upon that, you know, let right. I mean, you try and experiment with your uh,
1: you sterile soil. And on the left, you know, like you, you put a plant in there and uh-huh. like, you know, on the left side you put strain a, and on the right side you put strain B and see which one the roots prefer- preferentially grow towards. I don't know if there would be time or, if, you know, the strains would, Quickly go through the soil so that there's no time for a decision, but you know have you ever been able to create a situation like that where you're seeing if the roots somehow are sensing the type of bacteria that they want and they're growing towards them
2: I mean, yeah not- I, um yeah it it actually happens in the opposite um the bacteria are uh, modal in the soil and responding to uh, signals those sugar and uh carbon signals they're really Flavonoid compounds or carbon-based compounds the plants are putting out there. So the bacteria are responding to what the plants are exuding into the soil or putting out into the soil, um, more so than the plant growing towards the bacteria.
1: Well, I heard that roots seek moisture and they can test yeah. it through yeah.
2: the yeah.
1: soil and, matrix. And, maybe and, they and are doing some kind of reciprocal stuff too.
2: Yeah, yeah, potentially. I'm not sure if that's known. So maybe huh. uh, that's a new future research direction that we should we should check out. But yes, yeah, plant plant roots are certainly responding um, to uh, of nitrogen in the soil too so i mean they, they're carrying out foraging as well
1: is it is it possible to put a plant and have like split up the root bundle so that mm-hmm. half of the roots go into one type of soil that's isolated mm-hmm. from the other half yeah. of the roots and see what that does like you preferentially water one side and you put mm-hmm. certain bacteria in one side and you know what kind of have you done that kind of stuff
2: uh, i have not split root uh experiments is what they're called um okay. but um they are notoriously difficult, but they are, they are conducted um, regarding uh, root morphology in response to uh, nitrogen-fixing bacteria um, inoculations. I am not familiar with research that's investigated that, but that does not mean it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, okay. I think uh, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to check it out and see if it does <laughs> exist. Excellent. I suppose so, I should give you give you acknowledgements if a publication results from that.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I appreciate. It. Um, it, within the, like individual nodules, are you seeing like mm-hmm. the composition of bacteria is very different, or is it pretty uniform throughout a whole bunch of nodules?
2: Um, regarding the co-colonization of different types of bacteria that are in there, is that what you mean by uniform? Or yeah, whether
1: there's right, whether there's you know, if you look at two nodules on like two different roots, mm-hmm. you know, they're all in the same soil. Will they have the same set of bacteria in them, or is it different types of co-colonization that goes on in different nodules for some reason? Maybe certain nodules are closer to the, the heart of the root bundle and others mm-hmm. are further out, and therefore they preferentially give out different compounds and attract mm-hmm. different types of bacteria. You know,
2: have you seen that? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, they, they are communities, and they do vary um, throughout the soil based on... Who is in the soil? Who is near? And also, as you've said, um, where it's located physically um, on the plant. So yeah, I mean these nodules do vary quite a bit um, in, in size, morphology, um, shape. They they all tend to have roughly the same shape, but you'll look on an individual plant, see that some nodules are really large, some have many lobes on them, some are really small, some tend to be up near uh, the top of the root, some need to some tend to be down near, near the root tips, which would be deeper down the soil. So there's a lot of variability there. Um, and then certainly when you look within the nodules, so um, we do DNA sequencing of uh, nodules to see what bacteria are present there, you do see some variability. Um, and that is really context dependent on what was in the soil ahead of time and what was more, most competitive. So that's also a, an active and interesting uh, area of study, um, not just for us, but for several research groups. Um, talking about some of the the factors that might affect who ends up together in a nodule and depending on who's in that nodule, how effective nitrogen fixation is.
1: Do you see that, do do multiple nodules act in concert? You know, I know in the plant they do, because the plants all one organism, but, you know, the bacteria that, you know, hang out in each nodule, Mm -hmm. they're not a biofilm, but do you think there's communication between the nodules and a network effect that's going on? whether bacteria are like somehow communicating with each other across nodules and communicating what's going on?
2: Um, That is another good question that I don't have the best answer for. I know that, um, I mean, I guess in science, we shouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. I know that uh, roots are responsible for transporting minerals in the soil and water obtained um, from the soil up to the shoots. Meanwhile, shoots are sending sugars through photosynthesis back down to the roots. Um, I'm not sure how much inter-nodule interaction is occurring, though, but presumably if there is um, multiple nodules on the same route and um, the flow is traveling along that route, that same flow is passing um, those nodules, so potentially there could be some communication, something like quorum sensing that may occur. I don't know if you're familiar with quorum sensing. Um, in biofilm formation. Um, yep. But I'm not sure how, how readily that happens and how that affects the process of nitrogen fixation. And um, it's important to keep in mind that these bacteria are performing nitrogen fixation because they proliferate abundantly in these nodules. And then when those nodules senesce, they're able to seed um, their, their offspring, their progeny into the soil. So it gives them a big fitness advantage, even though it's really energy intensive to form these nodules and carry out nitrogen fixation. So they are able to propagate themselves uh, much more readily because they're getting all those plant sugars, um, which has led to their success. Um, But so I I think of that in a competitive sense, right, because they're all trying to um, there's strong selection for them to propagate their own DNA. Um, But I don't know. um, I'm not aware of uh, sort of like a collective uh, signaling that's happening in different nodules, because I tend to think of those as kind of distinct um, communities of bacteria that all have their own interests in mind. But again, I uh, suppose I wouldn't be surprised if there was signaling that it was happening on an inter-nodule basis um, that was affecting both the mm-hmm. process of nitrogen fixation and, and and then the bacterial fitness.
1: Is there a chicken and egg scenario, like what comes first, the nodule or the bacteria? Can you tell which one from the is the than the other? <laughs> um, what was that? um? Huh? so that last part. So I mean, can you tell that it, does the plant form the nodule, expecting bacteria to take up residence, or
2: oh. um,
1: do the bacteria inform the plant, "Hey, make a nodule"?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a molecular dialogue. It's a, a multi-factor authentication, um, to borrow um, from my uh, boss's saying. So the process of forming a nodule requires plant signaling, and then a bacterial response to that signal. Um, the Bacteria need to be close to the root. Um, and then through multiple molecular steps, um, the root hair itself starts to deform and actually kind of wrap around the bacterium. Um, and then, hmm. then it kind of in how, and uh, um, encases the bacteria within the plant tissue. Um, and then that plant tissue will kind of, continue to divide and grow and create this houseable space um, that is of um, low oxygen, um, that is suitable for the bacteria to carry out the process. Um, Also, there's a lot of overlap between uh, plant pathogen signaling. So plants need to be able to discern pathogens in the soil. Now, bacterial pathogens are not as widespread and abundant for plants as fungal pathogens tend to be, but still um, plants are antagonized by bacterial pathogens. Um, and, and fungal pathogens. So a lot of the same signaling that happens um, in pathogen uh, defense for plants has been co-opted um, for this process of nitrogen fixation. So there's a, a, an abundance of overlap in these signals. So um, it's, it's presumed that it evolved from um, initially from pathogen defense or pathogen signaling from plants.
1: And are the bacteria in a nodule temporary guests? Or are they permanent and do they you know, refurbish the nodule once they've been there for a while and change it?
2: Uh, no. So when they when they get colonized by this uh, strain, this bacterium that um, serves as um, sort of the seed for um, lots of um, uh, propagation or cell division happens in these nodules after it gets colonized by a strain of, of bacteria. And again, this, during this process, though, other bacteria can colonize. Uh, but it's not like there's, um, to best of my knowledge, that there's not a lot of turnover between strains once this nodule is formed. It's more that it gets colonized by a strain um, or two strains simultaneously. That also happens, or multiple strains. Um, but then within once that process happens, it's more that the bacteria are reproducing within the nodule um, to both increase nitrogen fixation yeah. and also um, ensure their success once that nodule kind of fluffs off into the soil. And then they can repeat the process again.
1: So what would be, um, you know, a really
2: happy result of your research? What are you trying to figure out? Um, ultimately, I'm excited by basic science, um, but applied science doesn't happen without the, the, the legwork of basic science. Oftentimes people are just curious about the natural world and they're um, trying to understand the patterns that we see um, when we look outside. Um, but... And then people can utilize that basic information and uh, make applications in agriculture and technology and so forth. So um, at a fundamental level, I'm really excited by understanding these processes that tend to impact to a large degree the patterns we see in nature, Um, but also uh, really closely related to that is if we understand these patterns how plants are discerning between different strains of bacteria in the soil, this can definitely help us leverage using nitrogen-fixing bacteria in agricultural conditions, um, mm-hmm. which is of very high need because we have um, soil erosion and um, water pollution happening from our current fertilization practices. Um, so there's a very strong interest in leveraging nitrogen fixation, naturally occurring nitrogen fixation. Um, in both legumes and leguminous plants, ones that already are able to carry that out, but also transferring that to um, other plants that don't naturally carry out nitrogen fixation. So there's a a big push um, from the Department of Agriculture, USDA, um, to understand how we are uh, potentially able to transform uh, non-nitrogen fixing plants into nitrogen fixing plants. So like cereal crops, for example, wheat I know is one that they're interested in uh, seeing if we can Transform them and make them nitrogen-fixing uh, plants. So, I mean, understanding how plants are able to discriminate between different strains of bacteria in the soil um, would go a long way towards um, engineering plants that um, could potentially carry out nitrogen fixation. Although they, you know,
1: well, what would be the benefit of a, what would be the benefit of a legume, for instance, doing nitrogen fixation so that other types of plants can grow in the same area it grows? Is it, is it doing it to help um, the other plants? Is it just
2: like a no. plant plant that it does? No. Nope. It's got its own best interests in mind. It's important to keep, to remember that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, so when nodules do naturally senesce off of the roots, that becomes available for, for other plants. But um, for the time being, when that plant is existing in that space, it is trying to hold its own ground and just obtain enough nitrogen for its own growth and, and reproductive success. Um, Yes, other, it facilitates the existence of other plants, but that's, um, from a natural selection standpoint, that's not why, uh, a, the plant would, would, would do that. The plants perform nitrogen fixation for its own success, not for other competitors. Mm. It's, but, it's a but, cold world out there in the natural world. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: kind of like what's, what's the every individual uh, is in do for nit- themselves. Yeah, I
1: got you. What, what's the best nitrogen fixer you know and combined um, with the best nitrogen fixing bacteria? Like, are there any,
2: Super <laughs> I, Yeah, I mean, well, we have strains that tend to be really good at fixing and other strains that tend to not be so good. And that's an interesting question. How does that um, play out in, in natural communities? Why does that even occur? Why aren't all strains really good nitrogen fixers? Um, and we, we do have some understanding of that through both theoretical and uh, empirical work as to why some bacteria are really good and some are bad. And, um And also from the plant perspective, some plants are really good at discriminating um, amongst different strains of bacteria. And then plants also are able to cut off the the flow of oxygen and potentially nutrients to bacteria after they colonize the roots. And if they're not doing a good job of nitrogen fixation. So we do know that as well. Um, So, yeah, um, but we do see I don't know about uh, individual plant species uh leguminous plants which happen to be really good at um forming nodules versus uh different strains but the the plants that we work with uh, we work largely with uh clovers trifolium um uh, but naturally occurring ones not forage ones uh, wild wild clovers we work with and also with um, medicago, which is a, a classic nitrogen fixing plant that is is widely utilized for research um, but yeah we see broad variability in uh different genotypes, different genes, uh, different plants that are able to form these nodules and then different strains as well. Hmm. Yeah. That variability is is very intriguing. And it, again, that would go a long way towards um, pairing up leguminous plants with the with the best bacteria. So if we could figure out some of this, um, the partner choice that I was speaking to earlier, if we can better understand that, it's more likely we'll be able to pair up um, certain genotypes of plants with the best strains of bacteria. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, very good. So, um, oh, what, what's the best way for people that are interested to, you know, learn more? Should they go to like the lab website or university website, yeah. or should they contact you directly? What, what do you recommend?
2: Yeah, make sure to check out our lab website. Um, it's symbiomics, like symbiosis only omics, um, symbiomics.com. Um, at, and we're the freezing lab here in Washington State, so uh, definitely check us out. And there's a uh, a lot of interest around this process obviously uh in agricultural settings and um just natural settings people are really intrigued by this process because of how important it is um so there's lots of information out there and it's not all really dense um science information science science heavy writing um but yeah and uh, i think the gates foundation just uh, funded uh a startup that is trying to leverage nitrogen fixation in non-traditional Uh, plants as well. So there's, it's very, uh, very trending field of research, because there's a growing human population that we need to feed. And in order to do that, we're going to need more nitrogen. And the nitrogen is going to have to come from more sustainable forms. And that form Mm. is through this process.
1: Well, very good. Well, Brett, thanks for coming
2: on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.